I'm Tracy Sable. Tonight on EWTN News Nightly, Eucharistic Edition, we delve into the beauty of the sacrament seen as the source and summit of our faith. Wrapping up the revival, we break down the three-year Eucharistic revival in the U.S. and what you need to know. One-on-one, the bishop tasked with the Eucharistic revival speaks to how the church can step up its evangelization efforts and the apostle of the Eucharist. When you eat the Eucharist each day, you are in Christ and you see the things with the eyes of Jesus. We hear from the mother of Blessed Carla Acutis and how, in her words, the Eucharist was the center of her Holy Son's life. These stories and more tonight. From EWTN, the Global Catholic Network, this is EWTN News Nightly. Thank you for being with us for tonight's special edition dedicated to the Holy Eucharist. The Catholic Church is clear that the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ is, quote, the source and summit of the Christian life. It is through the Eucharistic celebration we unite ourselves with a heavenly liturgy and anticipate eternal life when God will be all in all. To inspire more people to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist, the U.S. bishops launched the National Eucharistic Revival in 2022. EWTN News In-Depth correspondent Roselle Reyes breaks down what you need to know about the ongoing three-year revival. We have a strong desire that over these three years of the Eucharistic Revival, people all over the church will be engaged, will make a choice to re-examine their relationship with Jesus. Three years to help American Catholics realize the unshakable foundation of our faith. Perhaps to begin for a first time a personal relationship with him to allow Jesus to convert us, to heal us, to transform us so that we can be better positioned to be his disciples. The U.S. Bishop's strategic plan works from the top down to fulfill their mission to renew the church by enkindling a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. The first year focuses on diocesan staff, bishops, and priests to have each diocese offer events that encourage the faithful to foster deeper devotion and knowledge about the Eucharist. Sister Alicia Torres, who serves as an executive team member of National Eucharistic Revival, says a team of preachers comprised of more than 50 priests will travel nationwide to support these efforts. With the help of Catholic partners like Our Sunday Visitor, a Catholic publisher, there will also be online formation and resources that will raise up Eucharistic missionaries at all levels of the church. We pledged $1 million towards, uh, towards the revival that helped kickstart these, uh, these efforts. Um, but we also um, are producing materials for the, uh, for the Eucharistic Revival. Some of those are available already. One of them called My Daily Visitor Eucharist, which has 40 wonderful meditative uh, reflections on the Eucharist. The second phase focuses on the parish level to strengthen liturgical life through adoration, missions, resources, preaching, and more. 2023 Corpus Christi will begin the year of parish revival, where everything that started to happen on the larger diocesan level is brought down into the parish level. We're currently preparing resources so that there can be Eucharistic small groups in parishes. The third year of the movement kicks off with the National Eucharistic Congress in Indianapolis, where thousands of the faithful are expected to take part. It will be the first Eucharistic Congress in the U.S. in nearly 50 years. 
The last one in 1976 drew more than one and a half million people to Philadelphia, including 400 bishops from around the world. From the Congress in 2024 through Pentecost of 2025, the goal of the revival is to have the entire American church sent on a mission to share the gift of our Eucharistic Lord with our local communities and beyond, dubbing it the National Year of Mission. This is the most special way that Jesus is present to us. There are other ways, but the Eucharist is the most special. It's his body, blood, soul, and divinity. Well, the man tasked with leading the Eucharistic revival is Bishop Andrew Cousins, the U.S. Bishop's Chair for Evangelization and Catechesis. EWTN News contributor Catherine Hadro sat down with the Crookston Bishop at the U.S. Bishop's meeting in Baltimore to hear his goals for the revival and how, as a bishop, he is personally grown closer to our Lord in the Eucharist. Bishop Andrew Cousins, thank you so much for your time. Oh, I'm delighted to be with you. I'm delighted to be with you. We're speaking here in Baltimore at the Bishop's annual fall meeting. And earlier today, Cardinal Pierre, he linked the Eucharistic revival with the Synod on Synodality, saying the Eucharist is encounter. And he evoked the image of the road to Emmaus. What did you think of the Cardinal's comments? And do you agree that there is that connection? Absolutely. You know, uh, the Eucharist and the Synod are both about evangelization. The Eucharistic revival and the Synod are both about evangelization, right? And uh, really, the way we developed the Eucharistic revival was a synodal process. I mean, what we did was we spent time listening to experts, mostly lay people, from around the country. You know, if you were going to do a revival of Eucharistic faith in the country, what would you do? And we built the whole three-year revival on that consultation. Many of our viewers are familiar with those dire statistics about belief in the real presence. It was Pew Research who reported, I think only about one-third of U.S. Catholic adults believe in the real presence. You're the head of the Bishop's Evangelization Chair. How do we evangelize to people at this time about Jesus' presence in the Eucharist? Yeah. You know, one of the great things about that Pew study, it was a bad news, but sometimes bad news has good effects, and it, it motivated the bishops, right? And it gave us an impetus to say, you know, we need to really do something about this. And, you know, the Eucharistic Revival is, I think, the largest initiative the U.S. bishops have ever undertaken. And so, you know, praise God, the bishops decided we're going to do something about this, and we're going to try to create a national movement that will at least affect some people, right? And maybe we won't get it up to 50% or whatever it might be, but we're going to increase that number, right? And we're also going to strengthen the people in the church. And so I think the way that we have to go after or evangelize those people who don't believe is mainly going to be through witness and testimony. And this is the way the gospel was always spread, right? The first apostles were witnesses to the resurrection. They were witnesses to Jesus' presence. And when we witness to that, it opens up the imagination so that when people are invited to experience that, it can actually transform them. And certainly I've seen that happen in youth ministry, right? When I, we witness to our young people about Jesus' presence in the Eucharist, and then we bring them into adoration and they experience that presence, it's transformative. And we know when a young person experiences Jesus in the Eucharist, they're going to stay in the church for their life. Finally, just on a personal note, You've been leading this charge, leading the National Eucharistic Revival. And I imagine you've been obviously thinking about the Eucharist, and I imagine praying and spending a lot more time with Jesus in the Eucharist. Has there been anything that's taken you by surprise or that's struck you as you've spent more time yourself focused on our Lord in the Eucharist? 
I would say there's been so many blessings to lead this National Eucharistic Revival, but two things in particular. One has been so struck by the willingness of people to be involved, right? The love that comes forth in people's hearts for the Eucharist and their willingness to be involved. But then for me personally, I, you know, when I was ordained a priest, I made a, that, that commitment that Fulton Sheen had encouraged every priest to make to, to make a daily holy hour, and I've done my best to be faithful to that commitment for my whole priesthood, right? And so I've always had that daily holy hour. But actually it's been in teaching about the Eucharist, I think I've meditated more actually on the power of the sacrificial nature of the Eucharist and how actually there's nothing in my life that isn't meant to be brought to the Mass and placed on the altar. The good things, the bad things, the struggles, the blessings, the, the crosses, and how that's part of Eucharistic revival because what happens when I place that, those things on the altar is they become united with Christ's sacrifice. And then those daily struggles that I have, those, those, they become fruitful for the salvation of the world. And that's the way I live what St. Paul said, I make up in my own flesh what is lacking the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church, right? What's lacking is my sufferings haven't been united to Christ's sufferings. And it's been that aspect of the Eucharist I think that's come to me most as I've been teaching on this in the revival. Well, that's a gift to us all. Bishop Andrew Cousins, thank you for your leadership and for your time. Thank you very much. God bless you. And we have a lot more still to come here on EWTN News Nightly, including a walk with Jesus. A growing number of Eucharistic processions are making their way through major cities from the Big Apple to our nation's capital. And Corpus Christi, hear the history of how this solemnity got started. Do not leave the Lord of the Tabernacle alone. Convince yourselves that you cannot do anything with your hands if you do not do it with your knees. Pope Francis recently imparted this advice to the National Association of Hispanic Priests, encouraging them to have a Eucharistic-centered priesthood. The Holy Father said Eucharistic prayer and priestly service is like the game of ping pong that one leads to the other. Welcome back to the special edition of EWTN News Nightly. During the second year of the Eucharistic revival, the U.S. Church saw a wave of Eucharistic processions taking to the streets, even in the Big Apple. Take a look at these powerful photos right here. In October 2023, a Eucharistic procession passed through the heart of New York City, drawing in hundreds of participants. It was sponsored by the Napa Institute, a Catholic leadership organization during their principled entrepreneurship conference. Bystanders could be seen kneeling as a blessed sacrament passed by. Popular Catholic speaker and podcaster Father Mike Schmitz celebrated Mass at St. Patrick's Cathedral beforehand. Another Eucharistic procession came to Washington, D.C. and passed by one of the most important addresses in the nation. EWTN Pro-Life Weekly host Prudence Robertson has that report. People have gathered around Christ for, you know, back 2,000 years. In person, they were gathered around him, and that's what we were doing here today. The procession in the nation's capital was hosted by the Catholic Information Center, located in downtown D.C. It featured the closest tabernacle to the White House, only a couple blocks away. Hundreds came together to pray for this city, where leaders can have a worldwide impact. D.C. is one of the most powerful and influential cities in the entire world. It's the epicenter of America, and whatever happens here affects the rest of the world. 
Father Charles Trulliol and his brother priests led the people to three stops, processing just by the White House. At every stop, gospel reflections were read and hymns were sung. Father Charles says the nationwide Eucharistic revival inspired him to bring Christ to the streets. I would like everyone to make a step forward in their spiritual life, in their life of love for God. And also that everyone here in our nation's capital can witness the devotion and the love that we have for the Blessed Sacrament and the love that Jesus has for each one of us, for having stayed and um, remained in the Eucharist. And many bystanders did witness just that, being noticeably moved by seeing Jesus walk among them. Yeah, you know, I, I saw this one homeless man come out and he just was so clearly moved by the whole experience. He, you know, lifted his eyes to God, put his hands out in prayer and was just clearly moved by it. And I was moved too. Well, the Eucharistic revival launched on the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, or the Body of Christ, in 2022. Pope Urban IV instituted the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ back in 1264. EWTN Vatican journalist Matteo Chaffee tells us the real story behind the celebration of this beloved feast. Every year, the Church celebrates the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Body of Christ, a solemnity established by Pope Urban IV more than 700 years ago. It all began in the 13th century, when a German priest, tormented by his doubts about the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist, decided to make a pilgrimage to Rome to pray at the tombs of the Apostles, Peter and Paul. On his return journey, the priest wanted to stop in a small town in central Italy called Bolsena. While celebrating Mass in the church dedicated to Santa Cristina, something extraordinary happened. At the moment of the consecration, while rising the host over the chalice, the priest saw that the particle began to bleed. The blood began to fall on the corporal and on the other lining close on the altar. Frightened, the priest didn't have the courage to go on and hastily took the host, the chalice, the corporal and the other objects that had been stained by the blood and ran to the sacristy, placing everything inside the tabernacle. It was only later that the priest decided to tell the pontiff, who was in the nearby city of Orvieto at the time. Pope Urban IV ordered the Bishop of Orvieto to bring him the corporal on which the drops of Christ's blood had fallen. The Bishop, obeying the Pope, went to Bolsena, took the corporal and, accompanied by a crowd of people, brought the proof of the miracle to the bridge over the Rivochiaro River, where the Pope was waiting for him together with cardinals, clerics, religious and all the people of Orvieto. After these events, on August 11, 1264, Pope Urban IV, with the bull Transiturus de Hoc Mundo, established the Feast of Corpus Christi for all of Christendom, setting the day of its celebration on the Thursday of the Octave of Pentecost. In the bull instituting the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Pope also wanted to address San Giuliana of Montcornillon, the mystic who for more than 20 years had visions connected with the birth of this feast, a full moon crossed by a band, obscuring its center. In the interpretation given by the mystic herself, the moon disc represents the militant church, the bandage that partly hides it, means that a feast is missing. 
God wants its creation, the feast of the very august and very sacred sacrament of the altar. This memory is still preserved today in the majestic Duomo of Orvieto, where the corporal of the so-called miracle of Bolsena is exposed on the day of the solemnity of Corpus Christi. The historian Luigi Fiumi defined this cathedral as a miracle of art that arose to guard a miracle of faith. In Rome, Matteo Cioffi, EWTN, News Nightly. Up next on EWTN News Nightly, possible miracle. Hear about a reported Eucharistic miracle at a Connecticut church. Plus, the mother of blessed Carla Ocutis tells us how her son saved her faith life. Our was founded for one reason for perpetual adoration of the Holy Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament. We make reparation. We try to repair. For those who don't believe any longer, and they're among the many priests, religious, bishops, all over the world, lay people. Uh, We say, Jesus, we're sorry. We believe, we hope, we love, we praise you in this wondrous presence. And that is a 1994 clip of EWTN foundress Mother Angelica speaking about the mission of her religious order, the Poor Clares of Perpetual Adoration. Welcome back to the special edition of EWTN News Nightly, dedicated to the Holy Eucharist. In the 21st century, the Church has recognized four Eucharistic miracles, but the latest Vatican investigation could change that. Well, Mass concluded at St. Thomas Catholic Church in Thomaston, Connecticut on March 5th, 2023. Father Joseph Crowley made a startling announcement. One of the Eucharistic ministers had begun to run out of hosts, only to find that all of a sudden, there were more hosts in the ciborium. EWTN's Vice President of Theology, Colin Donovan, explains how a Eucharistic miracle is investigated. So any findings would have to find that what what took place here is consistent with the doctrine of the church. So that would be one element. Uh, with regard to the subject, uh, the gentleman involved would only, I think, be would be a factor insofar as some you know, evidence that this was not in any way fraudulent and that it was a true fact that be part of the investigation. And finally, if it's a a miracle or an apparition or mysticism, they're looking for the fruits as well. Uh, What good has come of this? The Connecticut Church, with this possible Eucharistic miracle, is the same church where the founder of the Knights of Columbus, Blessed Michael McGivney, was once the pastor. A blessed Carla Ocutis was 15 years old when he died from leukemia in 2006. Though his life was short, his legacy was profound. He is the first millennial to be beatified by the Catholic Church. Renowned for his devotion to the Eucharist, blessed Carlo was the spiritual patron of the Eucharistic Revival's first year. Carlo's mother sat down with EWTN News In-Depth host Monsi Alvarado to share more about her son and how his faith in Jesus began at a very young age. Talk to us about how he learned to endure suffering. Where did that come from? Uh, surely, Carlo was uh, not scared about death, suffering, because he knew that everything in God uh, has a meaning. Uh, is for uh, our salvation, and uh, if you offer, is also for the salvation of many souls. And uh, surely, uh, the school of Carlo was the Eucharist. 
everything was uh, for Carlo, the center, the Eucharist. And uh, so Carlo did the first Holy Communion when he was uh, seven years old. Mm. And uh, in that occasion he wrote, to be always united with God, this is my life program. And he started to go to Mass each day, to do Eucharistic adoration each day, the daily prayer of the Rosary, and also the Bible, eh? because he liked to... uh, For Carlo, the Bible was like a compass. eh? He liked to read and to meditate and also... um, uh, to um, also to it was a mirror for Carlo the Bible. Huh? You mentioned that he did his first communion early. He also started teaching catechism at about eleven years old. Yes. What was that like? Uh, because he was uh, uh, probably was a little bit uh, uh, <laughs> a genius, <laughs> let's put, especially for computer. Because when he was nine years old, he started to to read and uh, to study the book we were buying in the engineer faculty of Milano of uh, uh, and uh, computer engineering as well. He understood the importance of internet, that has a, pot- a, a fantastic potential of evangelization, and internet had just started at that time, and so he wanted really to to be able with the skills to do things for the church. And one of the things he did was some exhibition that are going all over the world, especially the one on Eucharistic Miracles, that is going all the continents, continents like China. It was translated into two, 21 languages. What was his life growing up like? Were there difficulties for him? Basically, Carlo has a pure heart, so baby, he didn't have the difficulties with his class, uh, with, with his friend, because he, they respect him. He, was, he didn't want to be, to, he, he didn't have a, a critical behavior. Huh? Mm. He was very sweet, very, very humble, and so people all loved them, uh, him, because really he didn't create situation of difficulties. Of course, the difficult life uh, that each one of us has to face, the studies, the difficulty, uh, the normal difficulties. But really, Carlo used to face this always with Christ in the center. Uh, he was always happy, always smile, never complaining. He used to say that uh, sadness is the grace over ourselves, happiness is the grace over God. And with this light, he had always the joy. The joy because when you eat the Eucharist each day, you are in Christ. And you see the things with the eyes of Jesus. And for you, two years ago in an interview, you said that Carlo was your little savior. How did he affect your faith? Was there a moment where you didn't have faith? In my family, never they, they attend Mass, never they speak about faith. Mm. I was so ignorant. I didn't know the difference between the Gospel and the Bible. <laughs> it's incredible how then Jesus changed my life. But, uh, uh, of course, I, I did my first Holy Communion when I was... Uh, because they called my, my school. In my school it was done, and uh, so I did uh, and was the first Holy Communion. Then the confirmation was the second Holy Communion of my life. Wow. And my marriage for the third, probably. <laughs> and so you can imagine how I was really 
uh, far away from the feet. Then, with the coming of Carlo, everything changed. Carlo was very advanced because three months the first word, five months already was speaking. Mm. Four years he was writing and reading. And he, I always say that he was running in front of time. And Carlo, why I say that he was my savior? Because through Carlo, I understood that really Jesus is present in the blessed sacrament and in the sacrament. Carlo, uh, through Carlo, I understand that the Eucharist is really so important. And uh, <clears throat> consider that I was like a Protestant. Mm. I had the idea that uh, the sacraments were symbols. I didn't understand the rituals, all these things. I thought that was a lot loss of time, no? Mm. Um, I really was not so, you know, so I, I didn't enter inside the meaning. And Carlo was the one who... Uh, made me understand this. And I said always that to understand that uh, in the blessed sacrament there is the real presence of God was the discovery of my life, probably the most important discovery of my life. And we thank you for watching tonight's special edition of EWTN News Nightly and feel even closer to our Lord in the Eucharist. Remember, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, X, and Instagram at EWTN News Nightly. I'm Tracy Sable. Good night and God bless.